search goes on in San Francisco for the man known as the Zodiac Killer. In New York, the search continues for the 44 caliber killer. See if you can explain to me why I would want to be a Scientologist. Betches Media presents... Tell me we have a lead. Stone Cold, no. It was literally like the Hunger Games. Not another true crime podcast. What can I say? Tough titties. It's all fun and games until someone gets hurt. Hey everybody, welcome back to Not Another True Crime Podcast. I'm your co-host Sarah Levine here, as always, with Casey Bosham at Casey's B. Thank you so much. And Danny Murphy. One less too. Kaiser Danny with a K. Hi guys, I'm back in Brooklyn and Casey is back without a tooth. We're really covering ground. Yeah. Oh wow. I didn't even notice that at first. Thank you. That's good. Yeah, that is good. Back in Brooklyn, back without a tooth. Wow. What it, it feels normal now. It feels business Casey as having usual. An issue. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Casey having an issue. Danny's back in Brooklyn. Sarah's like just moving past it all. Yeah. <laughs> Sarah's just staying I'm at the clock. I'm taking a nap like, after this. Yeah. She's like, <laughs> I want to nap, have a white claw, and like forget about all of y'all. Legitimately. Um, oh, I still haven't. Everything. <laughs> I still haven't tried the watermelon white claw, which was like literally my only thing to do last week. And then. <laughs> the teeth issues that came, was your to-do list that was my only thing that was my only to-do for last weekend as i wanted to try watermelon white claw and i couldn't even check it off that's that's how lazy i've been in quarantine that my one to-do was just try a new alcohol and i couldn't <laughs> i do feel like a white claw would have made if your tooth was like half dangle the mm-hmm. whatever is in a white claw would have made it really disintegrate a little bit faster so it really could have like expedited your struggles <laughs> it maybe can help me heal a little faster too I don't think so, but sure. (laughs) That's what I'm going to go with. It's going to happen this weekend. Wait, and also, despite the fact that we're too lazy for White Claws, Mm -hmm. we are not too lazy that we're doing something new with the podcast. Right, Sarah? Right, Casey? Yeah. That's true. Yes, we are giving you guys more content. The one area that we're not too lazy in. So get (laughs) excited. (laughs) Literally just talking. Uh, We're going to do two episodes a week now. Um, Not necessarily full topics because we are still slightly lazy. Um, But you're going to get your regular episodes on Monday. And then on Thursday, you're going to get a fun bonus episode, whether that be uh, a, a, lo- a large crime split into two, whether that be um, just us bullshitting, interviews, games. games um, I mean, it's kind of like the Thursday's the fun ant coming into town. Like Monday yes. is like your traditional roommate that you always see every week. But Thursday's a new person. It's kind of like someone is popping in. We'll see if you like them or not. <laughs> but with yes. that, we want to know what you guys would love. Obviously, we have some ideas in mind and some plans for the Thursday shows, but let us know if you have preferences or any ideas or things you want us to maybe uh dive into more about because now we got hours hours of time to do it yeah (laughs) we actually don't we We have about 20 minutes on thursday so it's 30 minutes (laughs) danny is already telling you lies it's um, um we're gonna we're gonna make sure that you guys can get this content get your fill of us twice a week it's like taking a pill you know yeah well we saw how good quibi is twice a week yeah, with the success of Quibi, we're like, let's just follow this format. This is the what the people want. We're just having Chrissy, Chrissy Teigen's come in. coming. <laughs> yeah, Queen Qu- Quibi Queen. Quibi I also queen. want to know how. Like, I wonder how many minutes in I will just fully be on my floor uh, recording this because I don't know. I haven't done it from Brooklyn in a minute, and I don't know how to like set anything up here. 
We'll see. That's just for me. That's we'll, just for- we'll find out. You have to we'll relearn your apartment. I truly do. And like relearn the neighborhood. A coffee shop is closed that I usually go to, but like it's not closed, closed. It was just closed for the day. And I'm kind of like, what's happening here? Hmm. Yeah. Now that's, yeah, that's New York right now. It's just the businesses are just closed randomly on whatever day they want. <laughs> like sometimes, like a lot of the bars and restaurants in my house, yeah, sometimes they're just open and they're open. And then sometimes on like a Wednesday night, they're like, no. Nah. No. Like it's just bizarre. Just people are just, I think it's a, it's the Wild West. People are just opening and closing. Whenever the fuck they feel like it. Whenever, whenever the heart desires. Honestly, yep. relatable. Who doesn't want to just close up shop on a random <laughs> Wednesday? I feel like that's the way it should be. You know, like if you're a business owner, you should just be like, yeah, I don't want to stay here today for two margaritas. I'm having a siesta. You know? Yeah, that's what I would do. Mm-hmm. Sorry, there's Sarah, some... are you? Is there an air attack happening? At your house? No, yes. up in a <laughs> like, what the fuck? I can't even see anything, so sorry about that, everybody. It's because um, we talked about the fireworks a month ago. I'm still. Oh my I god! Like yeah, right now gone. they they finally the government finally found our episode. Our SEO is terrible. <laughs> <laughs> you you think we did it? You think we stopped them? I think so. Yeah, I'm com- I'm confident enough to say that. I mean, it did stop, so there's that. It did stop. I mean, it was a wild Obviously. thing that everybody was like, "It's because of Fourth of July," and we were like, "No, government control!" And then well, all of a sudden, Fourth of July came. We're like, "I guess it was." I think it did Just go a little fourth. bit after Fourth of July, like it a did. few days, but yeah. like not as heavy. Just like, calm down. Like we're over it. No one's celebrating this year anyway. Like, no, whatever. I'm you not know putting on fireworks on July sixth. Like nobody needs that in their life. No, that's true. That's anyway, true. sorry because otherwise we're going to talk about the fireworks for like another hour, and literally nobody outside of New York cares. Most <laughs> oh, no. people in New York don't even. No, care the, there were San a Francisco? lot of people in other cities that yeah. were happening. I think Boston Canada? Was, was having some. Can- Canada. Well, Canada had it, and that's why I was confused. I was like, y'all don't even celebrate Fourth of July. That's true. What you doing up there? Maybe they're just happy that Jessica Mulroney was off Instagram for two months. But you know, <laughs> Canada—they just do what we do. Yeah, but better and nicer. <laughs> but nicer, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well i feel like we should just get into today's story because it's a wild ride and i'm still confused it is Uh, confusing (laughs) yeah so confusing so we got so many requests about this so thank you guys um also Mm -hmm. sidebar if you do want to request episode topics um definitely join our facebook group not another true crime group um and also dm us on instagram at natc pod i know it's funny i would stop talking about the facebook group if it didn't have such a success rate because everyone now when they say why they're joining it's because we don't they're shut like up just about shut it. up about it <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah and they get fomo so i think how do i think good. how do you think i got anybody to come to any of my birthday parties in middle school i just wouldn't shut up and they're like fucking fine hi <laughs> and i'm like the high seas over there yeah it was a fun time <laughs> i'll go to therapy fun time. also the fun time the facebook group yes facebook so, group is a fun time it is so this topic we got a lot of requests so we finally decided to dive in and we're going to be talking about the missing Sarah Lawrence girls, which was like this explosive article in the cut that, you know, is like a million years long. Oh, God. Full it's... of twists and turns. And I'm still trying to wrap my head around it. Yeah. It was, it's, yeah. The, the article is longer, I think, than any essay written for Sarah Lawrence. And that school is all about just like <laughs> writing about your feelings and like blogging. So, yeah, this is a doozy. Yeah. I didn't realize something I learned about. Like, I had obviously heard of Sarah Lawrence, but I didn't realize it was such kind of, like, it's a small school. I think they said they only have, like, 175 students or something like that. No way. 
It might be a little bit bigger than that, but it's very small. It's Rangitara? in Yonkers. It's gorgeous up it's there. It's in Yonkers. Yonkers. And it's so expensive. I think it's the most expensive school in the country. Mm. Well, I don't know. That's that's pretty wild. Sarah, it's your first name. You should know. Yeah, right? Um, oh, look at Sarah yeah, Rosine, Sarah right. Lawrence. There's something. Do we trust you? It's me. I'm Let's the missing see. girl. In 2019-2020, the tuition and fees were fifty-seven thousand dollars wow by 2021 they'll be fifty nine thousand dollars damn holy toledo and it has Jeez. sorry i said 175 it was i was incorrect <laughs> it's 16 about 1600 in, in 2017 it was about 1600 so uh, maybe maybe i saw like 1700 yeah, I think I saw seventeen hundred and just like you know, <laughs> just chopped off a zero. That's how so many people can fit in their local Chipotle, Chipotle, and you were just like, that's the amount of people that can go to the school. That's the amount of people they have at their Brickham Yoga Studio. Yeah. Brickham Yoga, I forgot about that. Yeah. Oh, that's a roll on the floor. It's already um, happening. I don't yeah. even. <laughs> Sorry, guys. I've been on a lot of Advil and Tylenol for this tooth, so I don't know. And I don't, like I told Danny the other day, I was like, I don't think they're supposed to make you wacky. I was but about I to say. I think the sheer amount that I'm taking, but I'm taking like six Advil a day and like two or three Tylenol. So I don't know. I think no, you are house MDing it, girl. <laughs> I'm, uh, my sister's a nurse. She says it's fine. Oh boy. That's a lot. Well, I guess we'll get into that another time. Maybe, maybe... <laughs> Maybe we'll get. It'll be the my... Thursday episode. We just look through it, Casey's medical autopsy. cabinet. <laughs> the true crime story of Casey's tooth and uh, Advil we'll like, recommendations. Apparently, decaf coffee and twelve hundred milligrams of ibuprofen don't mix. <laughs> Yikes! But also, did you have a decaf Dunkin'? I saw that big old Dunkin'. I ordered a small. This is what this bitch gave me. I'm like, it doesn't even have the caffeine. This is just purely for urine. I don't know. This is just like, she's like, you look like you need to pee 17 times today. Like, oh, no, and that's what you're going to be doing. Yeah. And it's going to be looking like that because the Duncan goes through you. Yeah. Gross. All right. All right. We've officially reached the point where it's time to start the case. Yeah. Time to start. Everyone just skipped ahead. We'll put a little note, like skip towards this. If you don't love us and you just want to hear this us is, talk. About this is where we make the cut. We'll be like, and join us next week. That was your yeah. episode for today. Yeah. Join, join us on Thursday. <laughs> yeah. All right. So this scam, basically like the, the thing is, I feel it's weird that the article is kind of tied to, like, the missing girls of Sarah Lawrence when, like, they weren't missing. And also, this is really a – it's not about the kids, really. It's about this guy, Larry Ray. Yeah. Yeah, you know what, Sarah? That's such a good thing is that, like, even implying the missing Sarah Lawrence girls kind of almost puts a little bit on them when it was, like, it should have been, like, the Sarah Lawrence cult led by this douchebag. Yeah. I know. I feel like why well, I, I, I in I their defense, so, I guess that's such a good call. Yeah, I guess the missing Sarah Lawrence girls probably seemed to a more grabby title for them instead of like this guy Larry's a fucking weirdo. Even though I would have clicked on that article, yeah, I would have clicked this yeah. guy Larry is a fucking creep. yeah. The cult of Larry, I would have been the like cult of sounds, Larry. That's actually cult sounds of Larry. kind of funny. That sounds like a I don't know, like a sitcom about a Jewish dad. I know it sounds like a comedy album from like it the Cable Guy or something. It's like yeah, hey, yeah. <laughs> But what actually happened here is a lot, lot darker. But before we get into the the darkness, we'll do some background on Larry. So he was born Lawrence Greco in Bay Ridge, Brooklyn in 1959. And the cut says Larry was the kind of guy who spouted a lot of bull, but there was usually a whiff of truth, just enough to keep people's attention, which is fair. 
Um, and the thing is, this guy like knew people and was very well connected. Um, for instance, Salvatore Lombardo, sorry, Salvatore Lombardi of the Genovese crime family attended his wedding. And we'll get into this in a second because he, he had like, I don't know, he just knew and made friends with all these well-connected people. And it's like, how did you do this? He's very Jill Zarin. He runs with a fabulous circle of people. I love that. Um, speaking of, he worked in Wall Street in the early 80s, even though he didn't have a college degree. And then he later became a consultant, which tracks, and he would help people working in insurance, construction, finance, and gambling industries. He also co-owned Malibu, a club in Scotch Plains, New Jersey, which I think owning a nightclub in New Jersey is kind of bleak. Jersey! Um, he also served in the Air Force for 19 days in 1981, but then he would kind of like continue to use this experience, and he hung out with Marines, um, and like these well-known Marines and like, I don't know, just weirdness. I feel like he has sort of a sketchy, almost Epstein-esque backstory to me. Uh, I could see, yeah, that I can see that tracking. Yes. Yeah, it's like, how did he, we're never explained how he co-owned a club. We're never explained how he was in the Air Force for only 19 days, but then ended up like adopting kind of like this Marine mentality. Yeah. We're never explained why he's friends with like these kind of like mob guys or why, or, or also like how he was able to work this job without seemingly no um, experience. Or, yeah. Yeah. Very, yeah. I, I have no idea and I have no answers and neither does the cut. They I guess it's just right. white men. Can, <laughs> white men just fail upward, I guess. And that's kind of, this is just a very, I mean, they, we really do. We really do just trust them to be like, I can do it, and we're like, all right. I guess also, okay. like, if someone named Larry came up to me, I wouldn't ask for their resume just because I don't really want to engage with a Larry that much. I'm just like, do whatever you need to fucking do. I don't care. <laughs> Larry. Larry. Oh. Said, if your name is Larry, then Danny is like your perfect mark. <laughs> oh please. Oh, target me. I don't even know. Like, yeah, come out. Come, come hang. Larry's also one of those names I can just never picture calling a baby Larry. You know. <laughs> Well, he was probably Lawrence as a baby. I can't even really... still a baby Lawrence. Still weird. Still weird. But Lawrence from Insecure, I can call him baby just in a different way. <laughs> <laughs> that's just that's a different podcast title episode. And yeah. we brought it around. Um, so yeah, my, like I think you're you're really you're right on with that Epstein thing because yeah, we didn't really know even how Epstein got his money and all that stuff. But nobody knows. Ray, and I think Nobody he did a knows. similar thing where he was working in like Wall Street or consulting and then he got in trouble with the SEC and had to quit. Anyways, I don't know. We, we weird just keep guys giving guys like that up so in the many A's. chances. I know. It's pretty weird. Um, so Larry ended up, Larry Ray ended up going on to kind of having like this political-ish career-esque. Again, we have really no explanations as to how he... <laughs> How he got into no. all this stuff, he just simply did. Like, in the early 1990s, he Literally. was contracted with the CIA. Okay. Supposedly. Um, how? Like, yeah, wh- how exactly. does one... Yeah. I don't even... I don't even understand. I watched Covert Affairs. It takes time to get with the CIA, <laughs> let me tell you that much. Piper Parabo put in the work. Yeah. <laughs> Piper Parabo, Miss Coyote Ugly. Um, <laughs> he said that NATO actually dispatched him to Moscow in 1999 to stop a, bom- a bombing in Kosovo. Chris Donnelly, a NATO officially, wrote him a letter thanking him and said that Larry, quote unquote, and this is the most fucking mafioso thing 
may have made a couple calls for us. All right. I sort of took that to mean more as like Larry may not have been this central figure in this plot that he made it seem like. Oh. Oh no, he ordered like, Domino's. That was like, the call. Like he, like he, he, he kind of worked for us. For us. Like he oh, okay. might interned. Yeah, he I, was like, "Do you I, want garlic knots?" Okay, I'm on the phone with them right now. Like that yeah. was the call he made. Yeah, I yeah, totally yeah. took that as like some kind of cover up. Like, yeah, he might have made a couple calls for us. He might have. He might have. Oh, I took it I, as and, like, yeah, he got us coffee one time. Like, <laughs> I, you're you're probably right. Um, because especially since yeah, this guy has no training. In 1995, Larry met Bernie Carrick, who was a then um, New York police detective who would later become a director of the New York City Department of Corrections Investigative mm. Division and later NYPD commissioner. Okay, so this guy was all up in, all up into NYPD shit. Um, he also befriended Pavel is it, is the is You know you can't ask me. Stop. No I can't fucking clue. Anything. Literally okay. no idea. It's like Powell, they might, I think that V might be a W. Oh, Pavel, I think it's Palachenko. Pal sure. oh, the last name is Palachenko. Palashenko, but the first name P oh, Pavel. Sure. Pavel, Pavel Palashenko, Mikhail Gorbachev's longtime interpreter and hosted Gorbachev in uh, for his 1997 visit to New York. So he was like fucking hobnobbing with I fucking mean. people. I'm man. like, how do you get involved with these I, people? I don't know. Like he even orchestrated a visit between Gorbachev and Robert De Niro in L.A. Again, how, like why? How? how why why does amazing social cares? Gorbachev, like what? I don't know. Oh, the, Gorbachev God. is like one of those names like i remember when i was little just hearing the name like you know it was like oh yeah when you just hear things on the news or like catch a people on on like the stand when you're grocery shopping with your mom and you're just like Gorbachev. like it just yeah. i knew some shit was going down with him but like i didn't know what was going down i just i also his feel name. like his name is like sang in like musicals a lot too like in musicals back in the day when like and Gorbachev. yeah that's just i <laughs> sure. i don't know that <laughs> <laughs> I've never heard of the Gorbachev musical, but you know what? I'm not opposed to I listening to it. it. It was so off Broadway, it was on Broadway, some would argue. Uh, <laughs> yeah. It was on the street of Broadway. I just sang Gorbachev oh, on the street. Yeah. Yeah, it was on the street of Broadway in Moscow. Okay. Um, <clears throat> so basically, Carrick introduced Larry to an FBI agent um, called Gary Ewer. Your took Larry on as an informant, later learning that Larry was using his role as an FBI informant to cover up his own involvement in the securities fraud scheme <laughs> led by a mobster named Eddie Garofalo. All right. Love it. That seems more like a reason why he has these jobs is that he's like, there's mobs that are connected yeah. to all like the high people scheme. and they're like, get a guy inside. Yeah, that's the, um, oh, there it is. Yeah. Yeah. In March 2000, Larry and 18 others were indicted in Brooklyn for involvement in the scheme. Larry pled guilty and was sentenced to five years probation in 2003. Uh, Larry actually asked Carrick to help him escape conviction, but Carrick couldn't. So from then on, Larry's attacks became more personal and more malicious, which is something that we will get to know about this man is that he definitely makes the attacks personal, as you do when you're a cult leader. And in 2004, Larry's wife, Teresa, filed for divorce. And soon after, he and his daughter, Talia, accused Teresa of child abuse. And there were several other anonymous abuse accusations made against Teresa. They really went after her. Child wel welfare investigators found the abuse claims to be unfounded, declaring Larry Ray to be manipulative, calculating, and hostile. Oh and the my. court gave Teresa, yeah, just a few things. The court gave Teresa custody over their two daughters, but Talia is just, she's just 
ride or die for her dad. Like she stayed super loyal to her father, chose to live oh in youth shelters instead of live with the mother. She was like, I'd rather be homeless yeah. than live with my but mom. But I wonder is... why she couldn't live with him. I mean, he was only on probation. I wonder if because because the yeah. Teresa had custody, so I wonder if it would be in violation of custody. Oh, to live with probably. Him. <clears throat> like if Teresa wanted to play that game to be like that's Larry. A good point. To, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. Larry essentially blamed everything that happened on Carrick, and then he started to blackmail him and connecting him. Oh, sorry. <clears throat> Take it back. Larry blamed everything that happened on Carrick, blackmailing him and connecting him to every incident in Larry's life. Um, so he just really kind of was like, this has nothing to do with me. And then in 2007, Larry was arrested for domestic violence against his then girlfriend. Because of his arrest, the government declared that he had violated his parole and was now a fugitive. So marshals located him at the apartment that he would later take Talia and her housemates to. So he was this guy. I mean, it's just like everything in this breakdown is super fucking sketch. Like, like, do you understand that? Like in one person's life, you shouldn't be an FBI, an air force, uh, a CIA, CIA. Uh, friend, like, like you shouldn't have Robert De Niro, those, like- <laughs> Robert De Niro, Gorbachev's buddy. Like you shouldn't like, it's very like this is not a normal trajectory of of a person's career, no. you know? Yes, agree. And to the point I was reading this and I was like, am I not doing enough? No, he's <laughs> had more career pivots than Julian Huff, who's like went from like dancer to host to like spiritual guru. Redhead. To, to like redhead. redhead to cult yeah. leader. Yeah. To fake yeah. singer. Yeah, she really has done a I mean. She's done it all. She's really covered ground, yeah. To Grease uh, Live. <laughs> to Grease Live, uh, to, uh-huh. yeah the Oprah thing. She's, yeah. She's kind of the Larry of the West Coast, I guess we can call her. <laughs> but where the story... I gets... always say Julianne Huff is a West Coast Larry. Oh, there's anything oh, that she's I'm a known for saying... That's her Instagram bio. Yeah, just a West Coast Larry. <laughs> trying, to, <laughs> trying to make a dime in this world. I don't know. That's not... That's, not, that's definitely not a Trying to make a dime in this world. Okay. Trying to make like, a Robert dime De Niro's in not this having a world. Mind. So you did see my Gorbachev off-Broadway play because that is a line from it. It's the it's the opening number, trying to make, make a dime in this world. Gorb and trial. Jules is in it. I call her Jules. We'll get into that later. That'll be the Thursday episode. <laughs> oh okay, but here's when we get into what I want to say, like the main story that the cut uh, covered and unpacked it because it's when it gets really to a whole new level yeah. of insane and deranged. And it's when, and New York um, Magazine has a, a bunch of different parts about it too. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So the one that we uh, read about with the cut that we'll be talking about uh, for the majority of the episode now is what happened at Sarah Lawrence College. Uh, Larry, we as we said, had two daughters, Talia and Ava, and Talia went to Sarah Lawrence. So that's how he was able to place himself there. When Larry ended up getting released from prison for child custody violations in late September 2010, he went to stay with Talia in an on-campus dorm she shared with seven housemates, which I, I don't know. Like, I mean, I know they said that their like house was kind of like very like an apartment arcy, style. Apartment style. Yeah. They wanted to like make their kitchen into a beach by putting sand on the ground. So they're like, yeah, have your dad come stay. Like, very. Yeah, I have to interject here because there was like one point at which I, when I first moved to New York, I was living in like a four bedroom Craigslist roommate situation. And, like, one of our roommates was from Ireland, and at one point she was like, hey, would it be okay if my dad stays for, like, a week, and I'm going to sleep on the couch, and he's going to sleep in my room? And initially we were kind of like, well, he's coming all the way from Ireland, like, you know, flights are expensive. So we were like, yeah, that's cool. And then this 
other roommate was like, hey, guys, so my dad's going to stay, like, a couple weeks or months later. And I was like, your dad lives in fucking Florida. Like, I will pay for an Airbnb for him. This is not a thing. Like, you, what? So, anyway, if I were one of these roommates, I'd be like, why is your dad here? Well, now because you, you've been banned don't and move in. Yeah. That's also just a weird thing when you're like, especially in college, I couldn't imagine having like a parent stay over with me. Oh, you're that's like, the last thing. Get out of here. Yeah, like I need to drink what is, Four loco. Like I don't want you to <laughs> Literally. I need some mainline Four loco and dance <laughs> on a table. And like, like chug Nutella. Like I was very <laughs> in college. That's, uh, don't, don't even. No wonder we all gained the freshman 15. <laughs> Remember when Nutella was such a fixture back then? Yeah, no, yes. I haven't had it since. Uh, but regardless, the children, these kids, because they said they were a little bit quirky and they liked Talia and Talia always talked about how much she loved her dad. So they kind of thought, yeah, of course he can stay. So he took on a father-like role, cleaning, ordering expensive delivery for the housemates, telling them wild stories. Because I feel like, I mean, what we can gather from him is he's lived such a life and oh. was very like, so, so, not social light, but like talk to a lot of these people. So I'm sure he's an engaging person. Oh, the man probably has the best stories. Oh God. I I'm mean, like, all the people that can get people to do this are always the most charismatic. Like they're oh. not like creepy weirdos. So like people that are like, you'd be like, oh yeah, I believe it. That's how it, that's how they get the thing to work because you need like Larry's, you can't have like an awkward Larry taking someone over or really holding court. You have to be very captivating for it to happen. Yes. So uh, what he ended up doing then he started to, this is when it starts, I mean, even from there, we're kind of like, okay, he's staying over, he's buying them delivery, kind of like, all right, that's a fun time to have a parent chilling. But he started to take uh, counsel with the kids. Like he started to counsel them, citing a lot of their histories of mental health problems and his own aligned government training in mind discipline. Spoiler alert, he had zero medical training for this, but he just really like DIY'd a group therapy home going on. And not just in the sense yeah. where it's like, listen to like, you know, uh, like a, a fun song and like cry in the shower and seize the day. Like it wasn't TJ Maxx therapy. He was like giving them deep down, yeah, like full blown. Let's unpack what's yeah, going like on with your life. Yeah, like Scientology-esque, like Dianetics. Oh yeah, Tom Cruise yeah, is jumping like, on the couch. Tom, yeah, Tom was jumping. Yeah, like a full blown <laughs> system of like galaxies and stuff. Like he was, he was really going after like some like out there shit. Yeah. I feel like there's also something to be said for, I think all these kids were like very vulnerable. Yeah, like they had, they were all going through shit. They had been through shit. Um, so, yeah. and I, I, I know, I just know this from when I went to tour Sarah Lawrence too. That the school is kind of, it's like fostered on the belief. The way they do it, they have every student has like a don, uh, not Draper, but like a kind of like a educational like advisor that they sit with. Okay. And so much of what they're learning is is about these like deep conversations where you're talking about yourself and it's like, oh, what do you want to learn? What do you want to change in the world? Type of things like that. So I also feel like it maybe was a, a little less like shocking to be like, oh, let's all sit down and do like yeah. our trauma versus like they if may, it was like- They maybe were like kind of used to it. Yeah, versus if he was like rolling up to like Rutgers and everyone's like, what are you doing here? <laughs> <laughs> like, you want to take this beer bong or no? Yeah. But yeah, like, but you're right. Like the everyone, the, the, the ones that were like, in his like circle like all had like i think one of them was like questioning their sexuality daniel two yeah. of them two of them had had like had been kind of like suicidal and then like yeah isabella that had like just broken up with her boyfriend and was feeling really mm -hmm. really vulnerable really vulnerable and yeah so larry actually began to counsel yeah. her and then he insisted on sleeping in her room at night to protect her 
no. and told her ex-boyfriend that she needs someone to help her, which is like super sketch. I mean, I think he claimed he was only sleeping on the floor, which like, sure, Jan. Sure, Jan. Yeah. Because then they ended up kind yeah. of like in a relationship. Like, super sketch. Um, yeah, no, all of it was not good. None of it was good. And then over the next few months, Larry found ways to convince the roommates to come live with him in his New York apartment, which was like, what, East 93rd Street? Something mm-hmm. like that. I want to say, yeah. Because I remember being like, okay, nice area. Yeah, I was like, ooh, yeah. Upper East Side. But I mean, it was like a one bedroom with like <laughs> fucking six people in it. <laughs> yeah, like, no thanks. Still very New like, York. It's still New York. Situation. I was going to say, like, yeah, you don't bet an eye. That's like one of my favorite quotes was people are like, well, sometimes you join a cult because it's hard to find a place to live in New York. <laughs> Which is a quote yeah. from this article, by the yeah. way, guys. It's yeah, which is very relatable. real, but also, um, yikes, go on Craigslist or a Facebook group. Don't join a cult. Don't. Unless you're joining our cult, which is Ooh. a very fun time. Yeah, we have nowhere to stay, but like we can help you out. I love looking at <laughs> I love looking at Street Easy. I mean, that's a whole, that could be a Thursday episode too. I'll just look through Street Easy. <laughs> <laughs> and talk about what we can't afford. Oh, I love that. Oh, yeah. Okay, so then Larry started to have mandatory house meetings and also lectures on something called Q4P, which is a philosophy that was made up by one of his friends, which is based on the supposition that all energy in the universe is powered by the quest for potential, which is what that stands for. Can I say, by the way, this friend was a, he was a diamond. He worked in the diamond. He was like a diamond dealer and a part-time philosopher. And it's like, Aren't we all? all right. Aren't, yeah. aren't we all? I also think Q4P sounds like a really good like boy band, and I'm just putting that out. I'm into it. Quest for potential. I like it. Yeah. Um. So then they were doing that. Then that summer, Larry designated himself as all of their personal life guides, which I, it seemed like he was kind of doing that already. Then he bought them expensive clothes, dinners. He would like take them places in his in a limo that he would kind of like shuttle for them. He had like a, he had like a driver, a driver. on call at all yeah. times. Like he would take him to like fancy steak dinners and like, so it, it was, yeah, very, a very strange thing. As, again, no explanations as to why well, he had when, a limo driver on call. Yeah. It weirdly seems like it was like sugar daddy you, area too, even though yeah. I know it, like it kind of had like that mm-hmm. energy. Like if you were getting yeah. free limo rides, would you question where it came from? Because I sure wouldn't. Just saying, just saying. Um, And then he also would hold group therapy sessions that were intended to uncover childhood traumas. um, And, but he would kind of place so much pressure on them to like unearth these traumas that a lot of, or like some of the times they would make up stories or just like make up traumatic experiences to get, to just get it to end. Yeah. Again, this is like the true. Oh, go ahead, Danny. I was gonna say because that was when uh, I remember Daniel even said there was one time like he was getting berated so much in the group therapy and he and he would, uh, ended up saying like there was one time when I was a kid I saw a hurt pigeon on the in my driveway and I picked the pigeon up and just crushed it with my hands and then it was later found out that he made up the story just mm-hmm. so Larry would end the therapy session. Yeah, I mean, but this is the true thing of all like you hear about all these cults like everything they make you tell them all your secrets. I mean, this is also like kind of Scientology too. So oh, yeah. they have all this against you. So like he was just building up, like like getting all their trauma and having them like dig in and see what's going on. Like that's what they, could you also imagine like doing that every night? Like how exhausted oh, would you be God. to like 
be constantly like just reliving all your traumas every day. Like, I feel like that wouldn't make me feel great. I'd be like, I can't even well, journal. Fucking I'm tiring. Just, I don't, yeah. <laughs> I, I know, I know. But I mean, it's true. Like, it's so like one of those signs of like a true cult of like you sign away all your, tell all your secrets and then they have that to use against you. So it's yeah. like, that happens. If you have anybody in your life doing that, you win a cult. I mean, next year did that. Molly, you and a cult girl. <laughs> You're in danger. Uh, <laughs> I got you. Ghost. I know too much. Yes. So um, when they would like make small mistakes, Larry would accuse them of trying to sabotage him, and he would have them write these like signed confessions. Super mm-hmm. weird. Um, these are my confessions. And then he would also kind of like make up damages that they would do and that would also come into these like signed confessions yeah um, super weird which i think we'll go into in a little bit more later um, yeah because yeah. like he yeah. would start ended up like the damages that he would end up starting to charge them for down the line yeah super weird which is yeah so then even more creepily he took an interest in the kid's sexual behavior and then he would have two of them have sex while he would watch sometimes joining in himself um, he framed this as part of their journey to achieving clarity when we all know he was just being a super predator. A super predator. Yeah. Oh, this is because I remember there was even a time it's, when he was talking with Daniel, who broke mm-hmm. up with his girlfriend and was like, Oh, maybe I'm bisexual. I'm not really sure. And mm-hmm. Larry was just like, No, you're not. You're not gay. You're not attracted to men. And then would have him have sex with girls too to like watch that as well. Yeah. Yeah. Like he was kind of like, no, we can do it. And so he would send like Isabella, like in the room to like make out with him and then would like coach them through like sex. <sighs> I don't know. Seems a bit off to me. Seems very Ugh. off. Ugh. Seems so a bit then, off. Yeah. Speaking of off, he would exercise more and more control over them. He removed bathroom door handles demanded absolute loyalty. Many of the kids' parents never intervened. And this is what's also interesting to me was that like all of the students had, I think most of them had relationships with their parents. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but they were isolated from them and the parents didn't really intervene because they would, they were afraid they would lose contact with their kids. Um, mm-hmm. Basically, if Larry got mad, um, Larry was also often violent with them. He would put them in sleep holds, threaten them with knives. Um, he even just did one really gross thing with like aluminum foil. I don't even want to get into it, but it was gross and sexual and also violent. So yeah, it was we'll just say violent, that sexually humiliating, just across the awful. Board. Yeah, terrible and sounded painful. Yeah. Oh God, yeah. I mean, yeah. I can't even. I was already shook from the no bathroom door because, like, I can't pee if I don't know the bathroom door isn't locked. Because if I'm not at a bar, a I need that to be locked with a fan <laughs> on, or else I'm not doing anything. Yeah. Um, and then this is kind of what we were saying with um, the money and the damages. He like Larry also extorted money from all the students and their parents, and he would accuse them of damaging or stealing his belongings or the apartment and then demand that he pay for various damages. Ooh, wait, one thing I forgot to add when you guys were talking about um, the weird sex stuff. Did you, did you guys read that he had invited the landlord? This oh, guy yes. Chen. Oh, yeah, this the guy landlord. Chen. So Chen is the guy that owned this apartment on 93rd who was an old friend of Larry's, apparently. And I guess one time when he was in, like, involved in a sexual act like he invited the landlord into so this was altogether a weird thing 
But going back to these damages, apparently Larry would like, he would essentially like rip up things in these apartments, like rip down walls, fuck up the floors, like bring in these like giant pieces of machinery to, I mean, I don't know how you get a piece of machinery into a New York city apartment, but he like brought something into that apartment because the neighbors would constantly like tell Chen, like this guy's got like something he's like banging on the floor all day. So like Larry would like get this shit in the apartment and then he would blame the kids for it and be like, now you have to pay me all this money. Larry also, did you guys like read about all that stuff about how he has a constant history of accusing people of poisoning him? So he, yeah. like, yeah. it was like this whole weird thing that he accused his ex-wife of poisoning him. And so his daughter grew up always thinking that they had poison in the house. He accused Chen of poisoning them. He accused and somebody think, else um, down and all the kids. What's his name? The FBI guy. Yep. And then Everyone, he came- yeah. That yeah, he convinced the-, the kids that they were all poisoned. So there were parts yeah. like they they would like test like they would say things like yeah they would like talk to people about how they were poisoned by this person this person you know like to try to get like Larry was he was very litigious also like he was fucking he sued everybody he was always in court for something like it was like the this guy is just shadiest always that- trying to get more money. That was the part of the article that like totally jumped the shark for me. It was like the poisoning conspiracy. I was like. We have covered too much ground. I know. I, yeah, yeah. That's the thing. It's I, I gotta say, I love the cut. They got juicy articles a lot of times. This one could have used a little more editing. I feel. <laughs> the <laughs> things didn't like, always tie together. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's like you really can't make this stuff up because if you did try to make it up, an editor would just be like, "This is completely unrealistic." <laughs> like like your you dream need to cut at least again. two plot points. Yeah. Yeah, but so, now, but I, thought, I think he he ended up getting like a million dollars from like their parents in like, cause, because I think that some of the parents also thought that maybe they would get the kids back if they like were on their side. So they were like, sure, I'll give you money. But the kids mm-hmm. thought that they were like paying for things that they damaged, which they didn't. It's just all fucked Cause up. I think he the kids got, got a... so, Go just oh, oh. I was gonna say, the kids were so worried too, that they were like going to get killed or they were so to blame for all this stuff that they were even like oh my god i'm going to commit suicide if you don't pay larry back for these damages and things like that like they were very much in a a full-on abusive situation with him and there was even one uh kid daniel who was charged almost 50 grand from larry for damages and it was sent in a five-page email with the subject line prices of your things i damaged ruined with uh, preliminary total so the email accounted for more than 50 items ranging from painting tape that was like $9 to a gas range, which was like almost seven grand. And the parents just like, they were trying to, they were like, we don't have this money. We can't pay for all of it. But Larry was getting aggressive to them too, that they just tried to pay as much as they can for it. Because he's not someone you can reason with also. He's not someone that you can be like, oh, we're not going to pay this because he won't stop. Oh, he was in control. Yeah. Another way he got a lot of money was he apparently got over $1.7 million dollars from um, one of the victims who was working as an escort and she was just kind of like giving him oh, yeah. her earnings. Yeah, because he convinced her that she like, he convinced stuff. her that the damages that she caused, that he had to, she had to pay him back. So he basically, yeah, like pimped her out and just made a ton of money off of her being uh, an escort. So like this is, he really, I mean, it's just terrible. Also the wildest thing about this, which like, he would wake them up every morning playing the Who's Baba oh O'Reilly. My God. So every yeah. morning they would wake up and, and the article was yeah, saying that it's like he was kind of controlling their teenage waistline. Like, like he essentially 
like told kids who maybe were just going through things that you go through in college or when you're younger about like, you know, you question things, you're not sure you're feeling, you're trying to navigate yourself. And he was essentially told them like, I, I will tell you how to do it, but he did it. And like, you know, obviously a fucked up way. He just, he preyed on people, which was, just, oh. I mean, that much is very clear. Yeah. yeah. I also yeah. do feel like it's important to know in case no one thinks they know that uh, Who song, it is the theme, theme song of CSI New York. So I feel like Wait, really? Teenage Wasteland. That's CSI? Oh, I'm thinking of something else. Anyway. All right. So that's it for part one of the Larry Ray slash Sarah Lawrence episode. Please stay tuned for part two on Thursday when we're going to finish up our discussion of this wild, wild story gonna be fun please in the meantime follow us on instagram natc pod join the facebook group not another true crime group rate review subscribe all that good stuff and we'll see you guys on thursday Batches.